You know, there's a legend about the Podcast Republic app that if you download it when the moon is full, it causes a change in you. And that change is that your podcasts are easier than ever to listen to. That's right. Download the Podcast Republic app when the moon is full, or literally any other time. I want to make this very clear for legal reasons that this is a bit. And you favorite your podcasts and they download directly to your vice. Even on the moors? Even on the moors. That's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Ow! We are really, really excited to announce this little piece of news. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may have heard us talking about Halloween Horror Nights and how that was a bucket list item for us. I lived there. I lived in Florida for six months at the time, like yes. in the October season and yes. didn't go. And we talked about me coming down then. And then I was like, well, you at least have to go. And you didn't go. I know. I'm an, I'm an idiot. Uh, but uh, thanks to Universal themselves, uh, we are going to be down there to cover Halloween Horror Nights this year. There's a bunch of pieces of it that are 80s related. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. My One of my favorite movies of all time, The Ghostbusters, which we'll be getting to in 2020. Don't you worry. Stranger uh, Things. Stranger Things, which is 80s related. There's a general scare area that's area 80s arcade theme that I already have a dumb joke I'm going to make. An arcade? Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Well, I'm excited to make a very stupid joke when we're there. Hopefully it, hopefully it pays off on the video footage. So I'm teasing a joke that I'm going to make. Okay. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm calling my shot in a way that I've never done before. Um, but we're going to do a special podcast from down there. We're going to be doing some interviews with the creative team who bring these things together that we're both really geeking out about. Uh, and then they're going to give us entry into Halloween Horror Nights uh, to check that out. Um, this wouldn't be possible without our Patreon listeners. Uh, quite literally, the reason why we're able to do it is because we can afford to go down there and do stuff like this for the podcast. So a huge, huge thank you to those, those people uh, who've contributed money over the last year and change uh, to help make this a reality. So because of that, Patreon folks are going to get that first. Uh, it'll go out in the main feed sometime early October. We're not sure yet, but uh, we're going down September 19th. So as soon as we can get those up for Patreon folks, uh, we're hoping to do that uh, to give them a nice exclusivity window. So if you want to hear it or support the show and more larks like this one where we get to do really cool stuff, visit patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. If you sign up at the $5 level, you get five, four bonus episodes right away and a fifth one coming uh, in October. Uh, and then we also do stuff like this. You know, we do these extra things that are outside the normal Dissect in the 80s feed. We try to put it there first. Uh, we put our Halloween 2018 review up there first. Uh, just stuff like that to, to throw to the way the people that support the show and, and support us getting to do these cool things. So uh, if you'd like to do that, jump on there now and you'll get it when it goes up. And shout out to Allie with Universal uh PR team for yeah. helping us out. Yeah, they're doing a whole podcast a day, so that's why we're going to do this. So, uh, anyway, that was a long-winded to say way of saying thank you to our current Patreon supporters, and to let you all know that uh, if you want to get access to that early plus bonus episodes, including uh, October, probably going up around October twelfth to fifteen ish, will be our live episode from the Baltimore Podcast Festival. So that'll be the Lost Boys, which I'm pretty excited to get into. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Anyway patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s go check that out see what it's all about find the tier that's right for you and uh, get some cool bonuses as well so check that out if you can welcome to dissecting the 80s i am triplano one half of the mega podcasting powers and this if you can believe it 
is the first episode of the sixth season of this program. So we've lasted longer than much better shows like Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 <laughs> and Happy Endings. That's true. That's true. Not to knock, not to like knock us, but like there you are did, shows. You did shoot right across the bow there. Like you're like, you are worse than a one season television show. No, there's like one shows that were one and a half for one and a half and two and a half, I think. Yeah. Uh, but this being the sixth season, we thought, you know, September, sexy September, septuple, right? Septuple six. Isn't that seven? Septuple? I think sextuple. Mm. <laughs> I should have probably looked this up. No, I think it's, no, sex is six, sep is seven. Okay, that's what I thought. Sex and six were the same, which is why we picked a movie that's a little sexy for, for our start of season six maybe in 1989 but yeah, today it's about is sex. just pure misogyny it's about sex um anyway we watched she's out of control so you know what that means we gotta go back we gotta go dissect the 80s it's your misogynistic bullshit something's gonna be done about your misogynistic bullshit when the mega powers explode i'm talking about the 80s I was going to talk about this later, but I think it makes a little bit more sense now. Um, I went down a real rabbit hole in the second half of this movie doing the research. Um, Because you were bored? Me too. I was was bored. But um, so this movie was directed by uh, the same guy who directed Mr. Mom. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, And his name uh, eludes me right now, but I'll look it up while I'm talking. Um, So he directed only a few movies, including this one. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we had, I had, well, the show, not I, but I ended up uh, responding to this person, but recently had a listener uh, email us who had just found the show and had been working the way through the back catalog. Go check it out if you haven't done that yet. Uh, and had just listened to our Mr. Mom episode and, and was, you know, um, I want to phrase this correctly because this person was incredibly kind and not... Engaging in discussion. Yeah, yeah. But but in doing so, like pushing back a little bit on our sort of painting uh, Mr. Mom with the, with the brush we painted it with. Um, and so when I was like reading, you know, about this director, reading about this movie, I was like, oh, I, I should... I ended up reading a review from the time about this movie, and I was curious, so I looked up uh, Mr. Mom reviews. And unlike the Mr. Mom reviews, there were several reviews of this movie, uh, one from Roger Ebert and one, I think, in Variety. Ebert. This almost made Ebert quit. Yeah, yeah. Wait, really? Are you just saying that's how bad the review was? No, literally. I think I'm pretty sure it was Ebert or Roper. One of them was like, this movie was so bad, it made me want to stop reviewing movies. Wow, I didn't see that part. Yeah, I read that somewhere. I was on like Wikipedia, so like grain of salt, but I read that. Gene Siskel, not Roper. So before, before. Damn, the Roper, I was so Roper. close. Yeah, you're right there. Um, well, it's interesting because it says that Gene Siskel saw Say Anything and it like restored his faith. Yeah. And Ebert also in his review of this movie is like, also coming out this week is Say Anything, which is an all-time all-timer. So you should watch that instead. Um, and that's one we'll get to on the podcast at some point. It's one I'm a little hesitant to go rewatch with my modern sensibilities. I've I never it seen it. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah. I loved it when I was younger. Loved, loved, loved it when I was a sad, uh, lonely Dorcasaurus. Um, Back, I know. It's, I was. I made this. I made that joke once. That oh, insert title here was something I liked back in high school when I thought I was terribly interesting. <laughs> anyway, so this listener was was talking about how they, you know, grew up in the time of the movie Mr. Mom coming out, and how like much it resonated with them as you know the inept dad stuff. And I was saying, oh, you know, like I think for us a lot of it is like those tropes are really tired now, and we don't get to watch the movie fresh because we've seen all the stuff that's derivative of it. But in the review for this movie, both Ebert and the Variety review were like, this is like the worst possible copy paste of like the worst possible sitcom trip. So even at the time, people were like, oh, we've seen two this. episodes of Modern Family. Yeah. And basically. no, I'm I'm not kidding. Like yeah. two episodes oh, of you're Modern specifically Family. Specifically naming used episodes. the plot. I, I mean, I couldn't name the episode, but but you are specifically are... saying I've seen two episodes of Modern yes. Family. Okay. And I've only seen a handful of Modern Family episodes, yeah. but two of them are literally plots from this movie. Yeah. So what we've got here is the garbage-picking, field-goal-kicking Philadelphia phenomenon himself, Tony Danza, uh, as an overprotective father, as his daughter uh, is of age and has become a young woman. Why 15? Like, 16, 16 feels like the, the, number for the universally accepted age. Like, oh, She's becoming a woman now. Like yeah. that's when got Carrie the got the period. Like I, I'm wondering if they did it so they didn't have to do a driving sequence with the daughter. Maybe because there's already a long driving sequence in this movie. But like they had the song "16 Candles" in yeah, the no, movie. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah, they also used the Ferris Bueller song, "Day Bow Bow." Yeah, the famous "Day Bow Bow." <laughs> um, so or anyway. "Chicka Chicka." Yeah. Depending. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, Hold Me Closer, Tiny Danza is working at uh, K-H-E-Y, the radio station, or uh, for our Canadian listeners, just how you say the letter K. K. <laughs> Very proud of that one. Um, so it's a classic rock station, although at the time, I'm not sure if that's what they would have called it, but it was a rock station, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think what classic rock, like what would, would classic rock just be like 50s? Like, yeah, I guess so. Fifties and sixties music. So I, it would I don't be know. like Elvis and uh, what's the what's the Johnny Be Good? Is that the one from? Yeah, yeah, that's like fifties. Yeah, uh, but they the movie this starts, movie comes in hot. Yes, uh, the the uh, Let's Danza comes in and he is having a fight and then he goes out a window. Very obvious stunt double. Um, and very obvious stunt window. Yes. Uh, with the window, it doesn't bother me because it's like, I don't want anyone getting cut to death, but you could, you could well, shoot no, it, this it from looks, a different angle. So I didn't see the, the wig on this guy. Yeah. Uh, so it goes through a window and the police interrogate him. And I wrote, I'm already, I, my second note is I'm lost. Yes. He's like trying to leave the hospital with a neck brace. And these two cops are like, you can talk to us. Or you can talk to us at the station. And it's very much like a, I bet you're wondering how I got here. Which, like, honestly wouldn't have minded that. Because it would have been like, because I forgot about this framing device until the very end of the movie when Ditto. he's driving in the rain. When he was when it was like Death Becomes Her in the rain. And I was like, oh, right. I forgot that was a thing. Right. So he's driving home in his convertible. Very nice car. Jaguar. I thought it was, I thought it was ugly. Really? You don't care for yeah. that style? I, I like the, like, I always say I like whatever the devil drives in a movie. The what now? Like, anytime, like, the devil drives a car in a movie, it's oh. always, like, a red classic, like a car- like, not a car- like a Christine. Okay. Like, I like that old style. I like roadsters, this, so I get it. It's a douchey-looking car. It's puffy. 
anyway, in the front seat with him is a giant teddy bear, which is for his. Um, so it's interesting. It is 15, right? Because I wrote 16 year old daughter down here. No, it's 15. Because they sure say it's not her 16th birthday. It's her 15th birthday. No, because they, they say fifth. They specifically when he sings, it says 15 candles. And it's her 15th birthday. Okay. I wrote 16. But this is a terrible gift for a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old. Well, considering the scene where he gives it to her is just the beginning of a porn. <laughs> well, it's also the beginning of Flashdance. But, like, the home... it's a, If you've ever seen the show The Goldbergs, how they'll Adam will, like, make his own version of the movie. And it's like, oh, yeah. you tried, kid. Yeah, wrapped yeah. A, You wrapped a, a plate in aluminum foil. And right. it's Tron. That's what this feels like. His it's like his version, his version of flash dance. Yeah, I mean it's like a kitty version. She's doing the dance alone in her bedroom and spinning and sweating a lot. Yeah, but it just it's their interactions make me uncomfortable, and I I don't know why. I think I just it feels it's very pornographic. You, it's because you can't have the energy of like no one is good enough for my daughter in a movie without it coming across as uh, incestual. But like that's the thing I'm talking about this scene specifically where that energy hasn't come in it hasn't been brought up that like no one's good enough for you. It's just like here's your birthday present and your ticket to to your European school trip that apparently is a thing. Right, right. So he gives her the teddy bear and she's like, "Oh, dad, I already have a teddy bear," which is code for like, "What the fuck? I'm 15." Uh, but then he's like, "Oh, also, here's a ticket to Europe," which pretty good gift given the circumstances. It, yeah, I feel like you could have like put it in the bear's hand or yeah. like tape uh, it's it, the bear should have been involved because this yes. feels like a distraction gift yes exactly uh she has to cut the bl- bear open with a blade to get the gift inside it's, it's like the build a bear where it's got this the 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 fake stitching up the back you rip open yeah or you know it's, it's like a real no paul it's my dog <laughs> oh my god she has to skeet shoot yeah the, do- she- the, the teddy bear for yeah, her exactly. plane ticket it's like you have become old enough to do this also if you shoot too poorly you're gonna ruin your ticket to europe so don't do that yeah she doesn't want to go though uh she's she's got some troubles with the boys and she's just you know what i'm not gonna go to europe which objectively the wrong choice but when you're 15 everything seems important but she also says like I don't want to go on the school trip this year. So does the school just go to Europe every apparently, year? Yeah, apparently they have just a cool ass expensive trip. Because it's not like oh, it's here. the senior trip. It's just it's, she doesn't say the senior trip, or whatever. She says the school trip. Right? Because why would she go on the senior trip? Exactly. Um, so this next scene starts off the what the hellery or what the fuckery. If you, prefer. I already I've already started. I, we got to the porn energy, and I yeah, was like, I didn't get well, porn energy here at all. Big teddy re- bear is not porn energy. That's why that's no. the part that threw me off here. Like, what is that like a thing in the gay community? Is it? Like no, the, no, no, no. I'm not talking like about gay big... porn. I'm talking about he hands her the thing, and she's like, "Oh, daddy, I already have one." And he's like, "Well, it's not your real present." Like. Something about the way they talk and the way they're interacting and the way they look at each other and the way they like hug makes me uncomfortable and feels very pornographic. Okay. Well, we smash cut to it's a dance club and everybody's dancing. And I think dancing. it might be the dance club from Super Mario Brothers, the movie. <laughs> it's certainly a similar looking set. Uh, but this dance club is populated by a bunch of teens, which is confusing. Quote unquote. Uh, well, in the context of the movie, they're teens, which is confusing because how does this place stay in business? And then, uh, just Danza dancing with his daughter. Well, he, at first it's like, so it's basically the, the, the idea of this place is it feels like it's a, you know, a roller rink, 
where like yes. there's the the roller rink area, but then there's the, the tables off to the side where you'll have cake and ice cream for birthday parties. Right, right. But instead of a roller rink, it's just a discotheque. Yeah, no, I buy that. So like he and his youngest daughter are off to the side watching her like begrudgingly dance with the boy next door she's sort of been dating i guess yeah and is like kind of sick of and he keeps being like no he's great you should keep dating this guy you don't like so they ask so lady gaga's first single just danza goes over to his daughter is that one well you didn't specify it was i said just danza Danza. was also a video game i'm doing song lyrics here you you copier i thought you were doing a video game i apologize and he's like, you begged me to come here. And she's like, yeah, it's super fun dancing with your dad at a club. And he says, and I quote. Yep. Give it to us. Nobody knows I'm your father. Blech. They they Blech. just think you like old men. Blech. 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 Jump off a bridge. Blech. This is your fantasy now. You have made this your fantasy. What you have done is turn this into your fantasy, you gross monster. Go play in traffic. Yes. Go take a nap on train tracks. Yes. I, I'm out. Just you're gross and I hate you. Yeah. No. Go right to hell. Do not pass go. Do not and collect then, your $200. Yeah. And go straight to jail, you gross right. man. And then who shows up but Andy Barclay's mom. <laughs> A.K.A. Um... The mom from Seventh Heaven? Yes, a.k.a. the sexy scientist from Jurassic Park 4, a.k.a. the one with the whales. Star Trek 4? Yes, Star Trek 4, the one with the whales. You said Jurassic Park 4. I swear to God I heard Jurassic Park 4. Because I was like, do you mean Jurassic World? Who is she in Jurassic World? Star Trek 4, the one with the whales. Um, so she shows up, and this is... This movie has a few nuggets of good storytelling. By the way, is the name of this actress. We should we should Thank identify you. her. Um, best part few, of the movie, arguably, she and the daughter, I think, mm-hmm. are the best parts of this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole time, I kept thinking the daughter was um, was Teen Witch. Oh, she does have a little bit of a Teen Witch vibe. Yeah, she's from something uh, that people would recognize. I will get that taken care of. Her name is Amy Dolenz. Um, but so Andy Barclay's mom shows up. Oh, she to the was club. in Can't Buy Me Love, which is definitely coming to the yes. show eventually. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and she's like, "Sorry, I'm late. I, a fabric was ru-, like clearly established." She says a line that's like perfectly establishes that she is a hardworking woman. Yep. And they've been dating for three years and really care about each other. Yep. And I was like, "That's good storytelling." Crisp writing. Yeah, it's the only bit of it in the whole movie, but this one sequence is very crisp. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, dad leaves to go to the airport on a vague business trip, which I feel like is pretty common in like movies where just like dad's on a business trip. Definitely. Cause like, what would a radio producer be going on a business trip for? Is he, so yeah, he's the, pro- he's, he's the producer specifically. Yeah. I he's believe like, so. I don't, even if he's an on-air talent, like what the hell is he trying Like maybe for? like he's a radio manager and it's like a conglomeration of stations. Yeah, maybe that's a, I mean, I don't like, I think your answer is a perfectly valid one. That's a little early for that in terms of radio in the eighties, but it's possible. Um, so they see dad off and then they get in the car and Andy Andy's mom is like, you sure you want to do this? And she holds her hand up. And then the daughter's like, you got it, Thelma. And cla- they grab hands and it's peel nice out moment. with a with a really cool, like, tilting camera work. Did you notice that? 
Yeah, there's a couple of really interesting shots in this movie that like make no sense. There's one later in the psychiatrist's office. It's like a really, really high angle that makes everything feel weird. Yeah, if you if you sift this movie for the good writing and the good and the good uh, good shots and good acting, it's a solid seven minute YouTube video. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, as someone who had braces, they go to the the orthodontist and say he's like, "Hey, these aren't supposed to come off for two months." And they're like, yank them. And I was like, no, 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 no. Your teeth, your teeth will shift. Don't do that. I don't know. Two months. That feels fine. Like, I'm not a dentist, but like, that feels fine. Orthodontist. Whatever. <laughs> it's a different job. It's the same. Mouth doctor. Um, <laughs> Every but- single orthodontist listener, subscriber of this podcast just quit. Just like, wait. Just, you did not have braces. I haven't worn my retainer no, I have in years because I am blessed with perfect vision and teeth as befitting a god like myself. Okay, well, I had braces and now I have perfect teeth and I'm yeah. going to get laser surgery and I'm going to have perfect vision, yes. so we'll be fine. Yeah, but you but will like, be artificially enhanced. You will be robo robo macho, robo. Yeah. And you know who else was? Arnold Schwarzenegger and the liquid metal dude whose name <laughs> escapes me. Robert Patrick. Thank you. Um but like no, your teeth shift so quickly. Like you, if you don't, if you take your, if you don't put your retainer in for like a couple months at a time, yeah, and then go to put it back in, it fucking hurts. Yeah, no, I, I'm aware of that. So like, don't let your, let your braces, let your braces stay as long as they should stay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two months, I feel like is close enough, but you know, that's but fine. I also, I will say, it was refreshing to see the quote on the like homely girl wasn't just a pretty girl with her hair up in a bun yes they did actually do a bunch of stuff to make amy dolan's look less attractive because she's a beautiful woman yeah um but like the they had her in these coke bottle glasses that made her eyes look like edna modes and the braces and the crazy hair and the like frizzy stringy hair like i was like oh good good on you guys yeah, no, it's a great it's a great transformation of this type in movies, which is usually just like you said, a bun and the hair, and that's it. Um, and then they go to the best salon in movies I've ever seen. It is really spectacular. It's two women at the receptionist desk hold they're each holding a phone. They each have two phones and they're talking into conversely. Yeah, and then, and then when they're like, "Oh, we have an appointment for her hair to get done," they like lean over to a microphone and they're like, "Francois." You're up. Yeah. It's a very Beetlejuicy feeling thing. It is. And then uh, they go to get her contact lenses. Yes. And clearly <laughs> and doesn't. She clearly does not care for this. Well, no, she clearly doesn't have contacts in. They oh. zoom in on her eyes. Oh, like literally. I, it's I like, did not notice that. I have again. I have contacts. Yeah. She like opens her eyes and like blinks exaggeratingly. And I'm, I looked and I was like, wait a minute. And I rewound. And there's no contacts in her eye because you can see the right. like edge and the rim. Right, right. I was like, "What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> just put a pair of contacts in her eyes for this ten second shot, right? And pop them right back out. It's if you're gonna do a zoom, like a crash zoom, uh, macro lens on her eyeball, put a contact in there. I'm totally with you. So uh, Tony shut up and Danza returns and there's boys at the door and his daughter is hot now and he is super shitty about all of this. Yeah, he instantly hates everything. And there's one moment that I enjoyed in this montage of boys where it's like the star football player and he's Uh like, I know you're a great running back or whatever the whatever the hell position, but 
two speeding tickets. And I was like, that's funny. Like, that's some good work of, like, you actually have a thing. Like, I need a perfect record. Sorry. Like, that's great. Or, like, if he was like, I have your PSAT scores and... uh, A little light in the math here. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like... 98 i feel like 90th percentile is just uh just okay yeah yeah more of that and i'm happy with this movie yeah this goes back to i think literally the first episode of this podcast but there is nothing in movies (laughs) there's nothing in movies that i hate more than overbearing shitty dad it is the worst of all the tropes that we've covered of all the movies we've done i hate this more than anything and it's Creepy to me how real life this, this like, my daughter is not your sexual object type oh, of thing. Oh, you mean how I went into a store on the boardwalk this weekend and yeah, there I were bet. multiple shirts that said, I have, yes, I have a beautiful daughter. I also have a gun, a, a shovel, and an alibi. Yeah. Promptly like, fuck all the way off. But also, ew. Like, it's so incestual. And, and I just don't understand this mentality like it's obviously misogynistic like you said but it's beyond just like your garden variety misogyny because it's like there's layers yeah like this all boils down to like this man in this movie uh you know it's a marvelous danza we're falling apart it's a marvelous night for a moon danza had a wife presumably enjoyed sex with him at least a little bit because they did it enough to have two daughters before she kicked the bucket. So he's aware that like women can have and enjoy sex and be sexual creatures and all that stuff. But when it comes to his daughter, he's like, no, live a life without this major piece of fulfillment that most people have. And I'm not trying to like say asexual people don't have real lives or something, but like for most people, that is a normal component of their life. It is an important component of their life. And he's just like, nah, my daughter shouldn't have any of this, this positive She's stuff. clearly, it's not, it's, it's unrelated to the asexuality because she clearly has an interest in being sexual. Right. Like, that's what she wants. Right, right, right. She right. wants to explore and see what happens. Right. I was just trying to say that, like, I, I was about to use the word normal and I try to avoid that because, like, who the hell knows what normal is. But, like, for your average person, I think... I'm not trying to say anything negative about asexual people when I say that. Like, sex and a sex life are like a normal, healthy human thing. And it's just yeah, so weird. Whatever that means to you, consensually. Right. And it's like, yeah, all, all above board if you're asking for the opinion of this podcast. Everybody should be enjoying what's happening. But it's like, oh, my daughter doesn't get any of that. She is going to be an old widowed bitty who never found love, never had joy, never had anything. It sucks. It sucks Honestly, so bad. Honestly, wouldn't be mad about that movie of the old of a retirement home full of the daughters of dads from the 80s who are just like have, like serious complexes. Yeah, but they like help like they help the like girls who come read to them and be like, "Why aren't you being a slut?" Right. Exactly. Like that's the and it would be like Lily Tomlin and uh, Betty White and uh, is uh, Cloris Leachman still around? I think so. It would be like them. Is there a website for her, like for Abe Vigoda? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, just be like encouraging young girls to take control of their sexuality. That's a movie I want. It's not even necessarily that, although I'll give you that that would be good. It's like so misguided and he isn't the villain of the movie 
And that's the part that drives me insane. Like, I know you didn't see this, but I, I watched it on HBO because I was very curious to see John Cena's comedy trajectory. And the movie Blockers came out a year ago. Oh, I thought, see, I heard that movie has a good ending. It, it does. I talked to you about this. The bad guy, that movie's about a bunch of parents, like finding out their daughters are going to have sex on prom night and they like try to stop it. And the villain villains, plural in that movie are the parents it's like, no, you're wrong. You're going about this in a horrible way, and the movie is going to teach you a lesson over and over again about that, which is like, what is so good and should happen here? Mm-hmm. That's fair. But also, like, in his in his minor defense, Tony Danza does walk into a house where the phone rings off the hook for his daughter, and I was like, it's like opening Grinder in a new city. It's just, it's just constant, leave me alone. He, like, takes one message, hangs up, it rings again. Takes yeah. a second there message, a, hang up, rings again. There's a montage of him just, like, tearing pages off the, the message machine message book. At that point, just get a whiteboard. Right, exactly. Or just, a like, a notepad. This specific function, someone left you a message notepad, is very silly. Yeah. Uh, also, did you catch that it might have been? I don't. I tried to look it up, and it, I could find no answer. But the, guy, the last date that comes to the door looks an awful lot like John Corbett. That guy from Sex and the City. I, I've never seen Sex and the City. Oh, man. He's like one of Which, the big. He's like, I think his name might be Big. Oh, oh, who, Mr. Big? Yeah. The, he, the one who looks old with like a five he, o'clock shadow. I think he has like, I'm just going to Google John Corbett and show it to you. So there was a couple, uh, there snuck one or two older guys in this group. And I was like, I don't know if this is supposed to be an older guy or what. I can kind of see that. So I thought uh, he he kind of looked like John Corbett, the last guy. It's a really fun montage of like opening doors to new, to different boys, which is again a nice way to show the passage of time and what's happening in this world. Right. The couple good jokes of like you know star quarterback with two speeding tickets like should have been more peppered throughout. Exactly. There's just no jokes. It's just like a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Uh, and then it ends with some good old fashioned racism where. A young black man comes to the door. Yes. And um, Shall We Danza goes, hey, I want you to know I'm not a racist because I marched in Selma and I yeah. was the third guy in Compton. The lunch counter. And the third guy's lunch counter, pull, like, arrested. But, and the guys, the young guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm delivering your water. And he's like, they must I deserve be doing that. well if they're having water delivery, by the way. Of course. But yeah, it's it's literally a character doing like, so I have black friends, but... Uh, yeah, well, that to me was like, I was like, I thought the idea was you did research on every boy and found a flaw. You cl- like, you clearly didn't because you didn't know who this guy was. You're just, you, you racist ass. Right. And so this all ends with uh, Danza in the moonlight asking his daughter for a date and then like begging her to schedule it with him. After he's tanking his career to control and constrict his daughter's life. Right. He he makes the choice that it is more important for him to make sure his daughter doesn't have sex than it is for him to have a job. Yeah. The, the ratings, his bosses are like, hey, we've gone down three points in the ratings. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Let me take this important phone call. And it's his youngest daughter. And he's like, tell me what's the scoop. What's going on in there? It's It's utter insanity utter insanity so, so they have a beach date yes and more the ferris bueller song plays over this part which i guess in looking it up was 
on many 80s movies, but I will always think of it as the Ferris Bueller song, so it's weird to me to see it other places. Yeah. Um, he It's him, Andy Barclay's mom, his youngest, and then Katie, the daughter with the sexual awakening, is in the water. And of course... My daughter in a bathing suit? Well, it's worse than that because she does like a Baywatch run out of the water and he's practically like that dude who like flips his glasses up to take a second look at her breast bouncing around. Yeah, I was like, he is her dad. Right. It's so it should, like, yucky. It's just like filmmaking 101 is like if you show me a character looking aghast and then show me what they're looking at, my brain goes, this is his perspective. Right. And it's a slow motion getting out of the water of his daughter, who, like, thank God is in a one piece. Yes. Because I don't want the worst implications of his daughter in a two piece in slow-mo in his eyes. The other thing about this scene that I think sucks and is, like, more of the way we watch movies than most people do. But he, like, gets this food, like, you know, burgers and hot dogs. And he's, like, handing it out to his girlfriend and the younger daughter. And he uh, is like, oh, where's the daughter? And like, nobody eat. We're not eating until she comes back. And then there's like a cutaway and he goes to look for the daughter and they cut back. And the younger daughter is like, well, fast food kind of sucks if it's cold. So and then the girlfriend is wisely like, yeah, let's eat this stuff. You know, 100 percent that he screamed at both of them when he came back. Yes. There's zero doubt in my mind that he didn't lose his shit about this because he seems like an abusive asshole all throughout this movie. Well, because he's already at level 11 because his daughter is in a bathing suit. Right. And he like has to drag her away from the water in a blanket that he stole from somebody. And you know, he came back and saw them with like mustard on their chins and was like, you fucking assholes. And he probably used a more misogynistic word, but I'm not going to do that. And just like screamed at them about it. Yeah. And like at one point, his poor daughter is like, I'm literally wearing what everyone else on a beach is wearing. Yes. What the hell is wrong with you? It sucks so bad. She's basically wearing a Victorian bathing dress. Right. She's in a very like modest bathing suit. It's not that it's not that high cut 80s thing where it like, right. a lot of, like cuts so all the way leg. up to the under the rib cage. Right, right. It's got that Barbie joint cut as we like to call it. Yeah, yeah. Um so now we meet Wallace Shawn. Who is a real disappointment for me because I think there's a version of this where this Wallace Shawn character is more insane and it's better. I mean, I think that once you learn the payoff, I think... Yeah, but I just wanted him to be like a bigger mustache twirl. Like, he's not chomping enough scenery. He's only like nibbling at it. And I wanted him to be like taking big double handfuls. Like when when you eat popcorn and you're alone. What? I mean, that's very kind of you to think I don't do that in front of my boyfriend. No, but I'm saying if like you're not you're not in public, like it's it's different. It's different when you're by yourself. There's a there's a maybe level, for you because for me, I a level of reckless abandon that you let yourself do, and only when you're totally alone. You I get, get me to a 9. Cheetos popcorn, and I full fist that into my mouth i think you get to a 9.9 but i think you know in your heart that there's another grosser notch that you could get to if you were by yourself maybe we're just different people like that maybe um and so in this like therapist session tony dance is like what is happening to these girls because while sean says you know x percent of of 47 percent of girls 15 to 19 have had sex thank you 
statistics. I wrote it um, down because it offended me. I backed it up to get the number. I was like, all right, all right, I have so many issues here. And so, yeah, he says, what is happening to these girls? And while Sean goes, boys. And I was like, women can be in charge of their own sexuality. And right. it's not someone's fault that they want to have sex. Right. Other than their own fault because they chose to have sex. Also, they're like a living human who's 15 years old and is just a bundle of hormones that's trying to get them to procreate. Like, I would argue that it's not even entirely their decision to be making. It's more a (laughs) biological function. Yeah. And so, see, I thought we were going to get a, like, college professor situation where Wallace Shawn was like, for only six payments of seventy nine ninety five, yes, you can yes. have my book. Yeah, because it's a thick book. It is. Um, I don't remember what it was called. It's called like Daddy's Little Girl or yeah. something like that. And he's like, it's a seventy thousand page guide to raising a daughter. It has more than fifty chapters. Yeah, it's too many. Um, and he it also sort of gives be- him one good piece of advice as he throws him out of the therapy session, and he's like, "Hey, put your daughter on the pill." And I was like, "Yes." Put her in charge of her own life. Yep, that's a thing we should do. Um, and he reads the chapter that's like, hey, when your daughter wants to have sex, like, like you're, I don't remember specifically, but like, she's going to come to you and be able to have a conversation with her. And she, in a rare moment, opens up to her dad just after this and is like, hey, can I talk to you about something? Like, I really like, I kind of like this guy I've been dating. At what point do you know that it's right? And it's like letting herself be vulnerable and talk to her dad about something. And this a-hole can't bring himself to have a frank conversation with his his daughter who's coming to him, which never happens. Right, right. And then she's like, you know what? Never mind. Pretend I didn't ask. He gives her some gobbledygook nonsense about like, you'd be almost dead at this age if we lived 500 years ago. You know, you're worth a dowry. It's so stupid. It's so, so ridiculously stupid. And like... I go back and forth on the very common movie trope of like, your first time should be special and meaningful and blah, 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 blah. Because I think it creates like an unrealistic expectation for everybody involved. Your first time should be not a regret is kind of what I boiled yeah, it down to. I think that's a good way to put it of like, make sure this is a person that you will not feel ashamed of having done this thing you only get to do one time with in the future. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a pretty good rule. Yeah, don't uh, Make sure it's someone you won't regret, yeah, I think no, is like a solid. Yeah. So um, Tony Danza Hall Days goes to see Wallace Shawn again, and uh, he's like, you know what? You should get married. It'd be a good influence. And it's like, boy, how many more traditional nonsense things can we cram into this movie? He was like, she needs a mother figure to replace the lost mother. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, we yeah. are discrediting single parents everywhere. And 30 years after this, 40 years after this movie comes out, gay parents. Right. Right. Uh, so we find out the radio station is failing. Uh, well, also, he can't have sex now. Wait, what? He proposes to Andy's mom like a psychopath just so that she'll move in and help control the daughter. Right. And when she understandably is like, oh, my God, yes, I'll, let's also let's have sex right now because you just proposed to me and I want you. He's like, whoa, 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 sex. What is this? So this actually made me mad because in several ways. But the first was when he walks in before he propo- proposes, he like goes to kiss her and she's like, all right, I spent a lot of time looking this nice. So let's let's be cool uh, with this and we'll do that later. And it implies that he is kind of a horn dog. So it makes all this so much worse to me. Yeah, not a fan. 
But yeah, you're right. I thought when you said he can't have sex, I thought like Wallace Shawn told him not to have sex, and I was like, oh, no, I totally no, no. missed that. Yeah, but he just d- turns her down when she's like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. So because she wanted to have sex, and he's like, that's not your decision. Yeah. And then so she goes, all right, well, I'm going to go take a cold shower because uh, I don't understand this interaction anymore. And while she's in the shower, he calls home and a boy picks up the phone and he loses his shit and just leaves. And lies to her. Yes. And says there's an emergency at the office. I won't be around. Right. Uh, meanwhile, he is breaking into Wallace Shawn's fancy party. Oh, yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of hilarious that he, Wallace Shawn, like, Puts a camera out there, like has a camera out there, and he's like, "Look, yes. I can see you on the camera. We'll just do this one-way Skype thing." You are not coming up. You can hear me tell you things over the phone. And he um, says, "You gotta like make your daughter like you gotta really get into your daughter's boyfriends because if you like them, she won't like them." Which was a Modern Family thing. Yeah, when yeah. she was, I, di- I think I've seen this episode as well, and I also have not seen very many episodes of that show. She was the uh, the daughter. It was the the oldest daughter was dating Dennis Feinstein. Wait, really? Yeah. Ew. Slash, um, Jason Janet's Manzoukas. boyfriend. Jason yeah. Manzoukas. Yeah. He was a like, undi- like a vaguely older guy who quote unquote designed jeans. Okay. And, and her, was like her dad is scummy. The, her dad is the dark haired guy married to the blonde, right? Yes. Okay. It's the guy from Dawn of the Dead. Yes, 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 yes. Who was a real prick in that too such a good prick in that yeah um and there was a whole point of like they wanted to let her they were like we hate that she's dating this older guy but if we say anything she's just gonna date him forever right so we have to pretend that we love this guy and she's like yeah i got you a hotel room and, da, 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 da. and it was okay. this whole big thing yeah 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 um so he comes home and the kids are all listening to his records which like yeah okay strawberry alarm clock yeah. like what <laughs> but like Okay, these kids are listening to these records. Uh, that's why you know this movie is like a baby boomer fantasy because, like, not only are they listening to old music, he like starts playing his old music for the kids and like telling them history lessons. And all the kids are sitting there with like rapt attention, like, "Tell us more about music we couldn't give one shit about." And then they go to a restaurant, and he's sitting with the boyfriend. They go to a Sonic, basically. They do go to a Sonic. They go to a drive-in. And the boyfriend, who is dressed like a goth and has, like, clothespins through his ears and stuff, is, like, way... He's more punk than goth, I would say. Okay, yeah, you're right. Punk, not goth. That's what I wanted to say. Anyway, he's, like, rattling off Rolling Stones and Beatles songs. And I was like, that is not the music this kid is into. And even if he is, like, into music, like, it would not be of this type. It's so against the music that he's representing himself in clothing form as... He's like way into this baby boomer rock and it's just like the most fantasy nonsense of the movie. Did you already Marvelous Night for a Moondanza? I did, yes. Damn it. <laughs> I'm leaving all these in, by the way. Um, did did you do Danza-ing in the streets? No, you can have that one. Ha <laughs> Um, And Danza-ing in the streets even says like, hey, I did not think you would be into these artists as though yes. he himself was a meta like, what? Yeah, Why is this a thing? What's happening now? Yeah, who are you, kid? Also, I like I like the scene right before this because it it's one of those like really bad like clearly some scenes were adjusted because the boyfriend punk kid when everyone's like so totally into Tony Danza he's like this is bullshit this guy's a bullshitter and then they get to the thing he's like you saw the Rolling Stones oh my god you're the coolest guy ever and I thought that was 
like as a character thing very stupid but i guess is pretty much how all teenagers are but also i was like wait a minute because so he's playing like i said strawberry alarm clock of all things and he they're all sitting around enraptured and and like telling them stories and being really engaging and i was like wait he's actually being a good engaged parent and having fun with his daughter's friends in a non-embarrassing non-invasive setting exactly so he has the capacity be capacity to be a good parent. He just doesn't. Right. It seems like he should get the breakthrough here where it's like, oh, if I treat my daughter like a person, everything is better. I would have loved that. Right. Um, but so he like lets the boyfriend drive his Jag and then he ends up drag racing. Well, he, drag no, racing. He, he basically goads the kid into drag racing with his car, which is nuts. I was like, you're going too far. And then, so, uh, they drive over these train tracks and turn the cars around and drive them back. And the, of course, the Jag stalls out on the train tracks. Right. And I was, I was like, oh, there we go. Cause as soon as they drove over them, I was like, oh, someone's, something's, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Although they got me with the double thing here where like the one train comes and it misses. The timing I didn't like. It's too slow. Yes. Yeah. So like, do you see the train coming and everyone's like, oh, and he like doesn't let anyone run to the car. And then, because, like, you see the angle of the train coming towards the camera, and then cut back to the car, and then back to the train coming at the camera, and then it passes right in front of it. And you're like, oh, it didn't hit it. And I was like, it's just going to stay on the car, and the other train's going to come from the other direction. Yep, yep, yep. But instead, they showed everyone's reaction to another train coming. You heard the train. You then saw the angle of the other train coming towards the camera, and then it hit the car. And I was like... We can clip this up. Like, I know I watched it. I know that I have a YouTube mind, but like, we can speed this up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I thought it was a good gag, though. I got a legit. And then the car really. That explosion was kick ass. Yes. It's awesome. And one of the best explosions we've seen on the podcast in a long time. It's up there with, uh, I think, License to Drive was a pretty great explosion. Yeah. 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 Um, It's the only thing they spent money on in this movie. Yes. I mean, maybe getting. did we do Danza with me? Sure. Maybe spending money on Danza with me. Maybe. But somehow there's anything left of his car after it was hit by a train and exploded. And they still bother to put it on the lift thing. Yeah, I love this is well, like this made me think of. So I was in a pretty brutal car accident. I'm fine, obviously, but I was in my car was not uh, about a year and a half ago. I don't know if I ever talked about this in the show when it happened. I don't but, think so. Um, so I got hit from a, by a car moving left to right, which spun my car counterclockwise. And then I got hit by a second car moving right to left, changing lanes to spun my car back clockwise. And then it ended up smashing into a guardrail. And it was, it was like the instant that I got out of the car, it was like, Oh, the car's done. Like <laughs> that's, that's it for this baby that I like. You can much. just tell. Yeah. There's just pieces of it everywhere and like exposed bits and whatever. And it still took like a week for the insurance company to be like, I guess we're going to total it. And it was just like, yeah, obviously look at the damn thing. Like it's in pieces, <laughs> but you know, they do their calculation of like, is it cheaper to repair it or fix it uh, or to replace it? Um, My car, when I totaled it was a hundred dollars over the limit into totals. Oh, really? Mine yeah. was not. Mine was eventually was not. They kept finding more well, stuff. You basically had the cube from Brave Little Toaster. Yeah, no, I did. I mean, it, the car didn't get scrunched in small ways at all. It just got ripped open like a can opener in every direction. But it just made me think of that because I was like, yeah, I could see the insurance company being like, well, 
it is a specialty vehicle, so so we uh So I wrote a note here yeah. that says OMG the misogyny. Oh, you know what I for I just remember because I was about to be like, what was I writing about? They get in the car and his daughter's like, yeah, I realized when he was drag racing that he's kind of, that's, that's just shows how immature he is. So I broke up with him and Tony Dan's is like, whoa, you just line him up to knock him down. Like, what do you think your beauty is a weapon? Yeah. And I was like, calm down, Chad. Yeah. Also, what are we doing here, pal? What's going on? Like, first of all, this is your goal. Second of all, be less shitty to your own daughter. Yeah. It's like. You incel loser? Yeah. You piece of garbage. Uh, And then Richard, her boyfriend from the beginning of the movie, shows up dressed like... Full punk outfit. The punk guy whose name was Joey, Joey, I think. Oh, Joey, by the way, uh, the guy from Twin Peaks. And you would probably remember from the Sykes Twin Peaks episodes. Oh, really? Yeah, Joey was the... uh, I want to say the quarterback. No, I want to say he was the quarterback. He was in like all of the Twin Peaks, the new reboot. I need to I need to watch that show. I, it feels I, like it's up my alley. I can't get into it. I've tried three times. It's just not for me. I know, but it feels like it would be for me. Do you like David Lynch? I like weird stuff. Okay. I like weird spooky stuff. Yeah, I don't know. David Lynch is like a whole different plane of existence. It's it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, he was also in Return of the Living Dead. Oh, it's been a minute since I've seen that one. And even then, I don't know if it was the first one that I've seen. Right. Uh, so Danza Macabre is like consoling all these boys in different rooms, which is actually a, a gag I enjoy. It's like into got, that gag. Yeah. You got you got Joey in one room. You got uh, I think Robert is the other kid. Rich. Rich. Uh, and he's like each consoling these boys. Meanwhile, uh, Matt freaking Perry of of friends. Poor Katie is trying to go on her date, and she opens the door. First, she opens the door to Rich, who's dressed like Joey. Yeah. Then she opens the door to Joey, and she's who's like, also dressed like what? Joey. And was, she's like, "What the hell? Get out of my house! Yes. Why are you people here?" Um. Yeah. Uh. Matthew Perry of Friends fame shows up. Yeah, and he is like so totally on the ball with impressing the dad. He's like, you know, sp- spitting game at the dad. Then he's like, oh, by the way, here's the number of the restaurant. Here's my parents' number. We're going to go there for a cappuccino after dinner. And he's like, okay, well, home by 12. He's like, sir, I'll make it 11. It's like, okay, have a shittier date, I guess. Yeah. I, so- wanted, I wanted this to be an elaborate fake. Like Tony, I thought he was going to walk out the door and do a like tear away his suit to reveal like punk or something like he was going to be like, oh, sir, I'll I'll be fine. And then walk out the door and be like, I I mostly wanted it to like cut to like the kids are sitting at like make out point with a sixer and the phone rings at his friend's basement. And it's like, "Uh, yes, she's French house. And they're like, oh, okay. I just wanted to just make sure this was a real restaurant phone number. Bye. No, son of a bitch. Yes, exactly. Say that to my face. Yes, exactly. Like, that's what I wanted, a Ferris Bueller thing. Uh, and then I realized, oh, no, I'm watching a way worse movie. Yes. Um, and instead, the fake out is that this guy is a cheater. Like, he just sleeps with everyone he sees. Yeah, and Wallace Shawn is like, you gotta spy on him. And then Tony Danza, at one point, takes actual child porn pictures because there's a topless girl and he's just snapping away. 
Yeah, I didn't think about that specifically, but yes. You're like Yes, he does. It's first it's just like kissy faces and then it's a topless woman of like you are actually creating a felony. You're creating child porn right now is what you're doing. Mhm. Um although like thankfully there was no I, I will say this movie didn't have any gay people or punchlines. Yeah, I expected which, like, that. Which could have easily not. like thrown in a lesbian date. Yes. Thrown in Matthew Perry has a guy sneaking out of his like there could have been that moment. Right, right. And so now all of a sudden uh he's has to be a disciplinarian, I guess, and rather than show his daughter these photos of his of her boyfriend making out with other topless women, he's like she snuck out of her room instead I'm going to ground her. What? So I I'm I'm torn here because I think this is the better tactic than revealing like if this had been like, oh, I've made a huge mistake and I was spying on a teenager and also I took child porn photos, which, by the way, who developed them? Because they're also culpable. Um, yeah. There's not a scene where Tony Danza is like feverishly developing these in a dark room he built in his basement. Um, <laughs> but it's like the daughter is probably going to respond better to you being like, oh, you're grounded. than like, oh, your boyfriend is cheating on you and I have the proof because I've been following him with a camera instead of going to work as my radio station continually plummets. Well, it, his, his job reminds me of the, like, all movie, all teen movies ever, where you're just like, where are, are anyone's parents? Yeah. None of you have parents, and school seems to be a background noise Right, thing. right. And he like, also he has the- a job that's established, and the whole time you're like, why aren't you at your job? Yeah, there is several times at least where the other dude is like, hey, why aren't you at work? Like, there's work to be done. Uh, and then haven't seen her since the proposal, but guess who's here? It's Andy Barclay's mom. Yes, and this is the part where I was like, oh, the movie is going to turn here. And it still makes you wait a full like half hour from this. But she comes in with a bunch of his clothes and he's like, what's the deal here? And she's like, oh, my parents are coming into town and my dad will like be upset if he sees your clothes. And he's like, you're a grown woman. And she's like, yeah, but you know, always daddy's little girl. And this is the moment that like, you know, she looks movie. him dead ass in the face yes. and is like, I think you know what that's like. I could have Danzud all night. Yes, exactly. And it's like, okay, this should be the moment where the character is like, oh, I'm, I'm really fucking up here. Huh? Instead. He also had all the trees taken down and sh- and chipped outside of her bedroom. Oh, I, you know, I didn't even put that together until you just said it. That's kind of clever. Yeah. It's kind of clever. She walks in. I thought, yeah, like, there's a few moments of clever in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Seven minute like YouTube that. video, baby. Yeah. I, it's funnier if it's him with a chainsaw. But I like the chipper. I like that it yeah, was a full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's funnier if he has like, it's like Mr. Mom when he has all the protective gear on with the chainsaw and he's like cutting down the tree himself and the, and the girlfriend shows up and is like, uh, what you doing there, bud? That's true. Uh, and then we get like a hundred percent a line written by a baby boomer Chad before Chad's were a thing where she goes up to uh, Andy Barclay's mom goes up to Katie's room and she's like, stop crying. I'm a woman. You know, that only works on men. Yeah. And I was like, shut, stop it. All of you stop it. So clear. Why did no one speak up? Yeah. Um, also, I don't think I've ever told this story before. Uh, but when I was in college, I, um, used this really clever trick to talk to girls where I would need to have a shirt ironed and I didn't know how to do it or I didn't have an iron. And, a girl that I ended up dating for a long time thought like 
we talked about this. I, you know, she ironed the shirt or whatever. I probably didn't even really need the shirt ironed in retrospect. I don't know what I needed an ironed shirt for in college, but there was a shirt of mine hanging in her closet and she ended up being like, Oh, I'll just do this when I iron some stuff tomorrow when I do laundry or whatever it was. And so the shirt was hanging up in there. And then her dad came and he like pitched a fit about a boy's shirt in her closet. And I remember being like baffled about this at the time. And now seeing it in this movie with, uh, I keep wanting to say Terry Gar. That's not her name. Um, it's a completely different movie, but I was just, I was having flashbacks to having this conversation where she was like, oh yeah, my dad saw your shirt and got all upset. And I was like, why? And I had like, never heard that story. Well, the implication is that like, you're spending time in my room. And I was like, okay, it's <laughs> so, like, I don't understand this line of thinking at all, but she gives anyway, uh, not Terry Gar gives the daughter a lecture and is like, you know, now, now. Stop being a slut. Yeah, you, you're wasting, you're, you're throwing away your precious virginity. And then we realize that Wallace Shawn has just been trying to swindle his way under radio airtime. Yeah, there's, well, first of all, we go to back, we, keep, this is, we cut to the therapy session, this is when there's that cool, weird angle, and then he's like, yeah, so it's all fixed now, and, uh, you know, she's never going to see him again, except one more time at prom night, and Wallace Shawn, like, drops his pipe practically, and it's like, prom night you know what happens there and tony danza for the first time uh gets no song name and instead is like oh wait i did have sex on my prom night i was Hmm. like so did everyone else in the fucking universe tony (laughs) like that is a universal thing of what happens on prom night right it's like first you danza in the dark and then you danza in the dark sometimes you go to your after prom in between Ours was sponsored at the high school. There was a hypnotist. I did not have an after prom or do that other thing. (laughs) Just to go on record. I just, just to put on record. I did not have an after prom. Uh, I did not do that other thing. We sat in my friend's basement and I think there were eight of us and someone had an extremely small amount of alcohol. (laughs) And then we all had an extremely- Someone bought like three wine coolers. No, it was like somebody stole some flavored vodka or rum, but it was like a half of a water bottle. So like everybody got like a good swig and that was it. (laughs) I was a very cool kid. And I think we- I didn't drink it all till college. So, and people don't believe me when I say that. That was the first time that that I had any booze that I remember. Like, other than a sip from a parent kind of situation. Yeah, my first time was up at the uh, acting intensive of in upstate New York in between senior year and uh, freshman of uh, college. So relatively the same time period. Basically the same time. Um, he also, sorry, I'm reading back to my notes to find out where we are in the movie. Dance the Dance Revolution. He judges the hell out of his girlfriend for the clothes thing. He's like... Like, really judgmental about the whole thing when he's like, you're a grown woman. Like, he's he's very shitty about it. And he still doesn't realize it, which drives me crazy. Yeah, like, you're this will be you. This is the ghost of your future. Right. Oh, also, I forgot to mention the other modern family plot line was uh, earlier when Joey was like, can we still be friends, Tony Danza? And Tony Danza's like, sure we can. That was a plot on Modern Family. Oh, really? Was it the same like, yeah. boyfriend thing? Uh, it was no, it was a different boyfriend. It was the boyfriend that I think was the normal one throughout most of the show. Oh, okay. He looks like a mop-headed singer of like Death Cab for Cutie or some shit. So anyway, after the therapy session, 
we discuss prom night while Sean is like, oh, uh, by the way, you should put me on the radio. You have a radio station, right? And we realize this whole time that that's been the thing. It uh, should have been planted earlier than that. Definitely. Definitely. Like, because the, the radio station should have been a plot point when they discussed his life. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it's hard finding programming for your radio station. And I'm sure that's got to be very stressful as well. Right, right. Um, so cut to dinner with uh dance of the night away and his lady and her parents at oh by the way we're at the same place as the prom what a weird coincidence and she immediately calls him on this bullshit and i was like thank god except the reaction is like eh, it's fine we'll just eat here well no her dad says that i know also, but- they they've been dating for three years and he's just now meeting her parents yeah i that guess it's weird. different when you're like adult adults like they are I guess, but the seal seems weird. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like the parent, her parents, know about him really. Like she, it seems like she kept him, kept him a secret. Yeah, because everything is like, well, you know, he, he, this is his job, and I'm like, they should know this, right? But also, she gets out of the car, and her dad immediately starts giving her shit, like, oh, what, where the hell's the rest of your dress? You look like a slut, and it's just like, why is this? And the she movie? goes. She goes, I made this and de- I designed this and made this myself. And he's like, sell it. Don't wear it. Yeah, exactly. Ew. And then uh, Dan's You know what the, the successful music. version of this joke is? Share what the hell are you wearing? It's a dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. That's the successful version of this joke. Yeah. But then Danza to the music tries to intervene. And he's like, well, for what, what it's worth, I think she looks great. And the dad's like, shut up, you worthless chud. And he's like, yep, no problem, sir. Like, you're a grown man. Have a backbone. Yeah. And so the whole time, Tony Danza just keeps staring through the window at the high schoolers trying to find his daughter. It's so creepy. Like, he comes off like a full on 10 out of 10 creep. Yeah, he he comes off as someone who shouldn't be allowed within 10 yards of a school. Right, and um, and the dad keeps being like, "Hey, Mary Jane's last danza. What are you doing? What like pay attention to this conversation?" And he keeps being like, "Yeah, huh? What? Oh, this harp's too loud. I gotta go. Bye." Um, and so he like breaks into the prom and sees his daughter doing a choreographed dance routine that's like kind of swing dancing. Yeah, it's kind of. It's swingy. not dirty dancing. No, it's not. It's just like a little swingy, a little jazzy, and like. His reaction is as though she's, like, torn off her skirt and, yes. like, dropped into a split on her boyfriend's dick in the middle of the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, it's really insane. And then he rightfully gets kicked out, and he's like, well, I'm a parent. And the person who kicks him out is like, yeah, that's not helping. Go away. That is worse. Yes. Um, and then he sees her, his daughter, leave with Matthew Perry. And so he's, like, trying to get the valet to get his car. And when it takes too long, he just, like, steals this guy's lowrider, which is insane. Yeah. And he drives to the after party, which was different than my prom after party because it was in a motel room. This is a movie prom for sure. Yeah. Mine was like, there's cotton candy machines and a magician inflatable, (laughs) inflatable obstacle course. Yeah. There was, he was walking around for 18 year olds. That's such a weird choice. He was doing like close up magic. Like was someone doing balloon animals? I don't think we have balloon animals, but he was like, because there was in the in the cafeteria was like food and stuff. And he was just walking around the tables being like, hey, pick a card, like oh, rip it up. Interesting. And then there was a hypnotist on stage. We all had like we all went and was like sat in the auditorium and watched the hypnotist. Huh. That seems like it'd be fun. 
I won. So the I won a prize at the at the raffle. Oh, it was supposed to be a Garmin, but instead it was like a right way from CVS brand uh, GPS. A knockoff GPS. That's really yeah. Funny. I was like, you put Garmin on the thing. Yeah, you did. This that's, is not fair. That's false advertising. That's actually false advertising. You did me dirty. Um, so I want to dance with somebody dresses like a waiter. Apparently we missed the scene in the movie where he KOs a waiter and steals his outfit. Also, yeah. why do the waiters doing room service at this motel have white tuxedos? Yeah, there's no effing way. Um, but uh, friends guy and his and Tony's daughter, I think are they drinking beer. Is it a big bottle of beer? I thought it was champagne. They, I couldn't tell if it was a small thing of champagne or a big bottle of beer. This like is a, a little 40. early. Maybe it's a 40. Yeah. Um, Perry goes and, full heel in this scene. He like tries to get her to have sex with him. She doesn't want to. And then he gets all shitty and he locks her in the room. And it's like, okay, this took a turn towards the creepy factor. And is definitely yeah, going to be. He's the- like, he's like, you slutty tease. And I was like, you have been fucking anything with legs. Right. What is this, Matt? This feels like you should be like, well, fine. If you're going to be that way, get out. Right. And also it's only so that. I bet you look good on the Danza floor is going to look like the good guy here because he's just saving her. Yeah. And Danza on my own just crashes through the, he's, he keeps walking around with a fruit tray being like, hello, I have a fruit tray for Monsieur Mazzupelli. <laughs> All right. No, no, he does Spanish, not he French. Does, but yours is funnier. Mazzupelli. Oh, Perry. Matthew Perry in Paris. You keep doing oh, the oh. Keenan Thompson all that sketch. <laughs> yes, well, I gotta. I'm not good at the French accent, so it's I gotta Francois find my. I gotta find. I gotta find my way in, and apparently it's. Matthew oh, Perry. I have a Paris in Paris with Matthew Perry. So this is where I, the timeline. I remembered that there was a framing device on this movie. Yes, <laughs> because I did Matthew too. Perry's yes. dr- uh, not Matthew Perry. Uh, Danza ing with myself. Yeah, is driving sad in the rain, listening to Wallace Shawn on his radio. And Wallace Shawn's like, "Oh, I don't have a daughter, and I don't even have a family." And Tony Danza like he holds one eighty. Yeah, he like fishtail burns yeah. out to like drive back to the station, and he, like kicks open the door to to the interview room, and he's like, "You don't have a child." Yeah, yeah. And then I hope you Danza and Wallace Shawn have the worst fight in cinema history that somehow ends up with Tony uh, lets Danza getting. Wait, we did that one already. Damn it. Uh, uh, The safety Danza doesn't have any safety here and he gets hucked out this window, but we don't see him go out the window. We just like we don't see what leads to him going out the window. Yeah, it's like a weird scuffle that just launches him out the window. And then that's just him being like, well, that's my story. And I was like, if the movie ends here, I'm not satisfied. And the cops are like, oh, my God, I can't believe your daughter's such a slut. And it's like, what? Wait, what? You should get a Nobel Prize for fathers. Yeah. No, no, he shouldn't. No, absolutely not. So the cops are like, oh, you know what? We will, um, we'll just, we'll just drive you there in our police car in, you know, a full on, uh, lights and sirens and the whole thing. Well, cause um andy barclay's mom shows up with her parents and her shit ass dad is like why didn't you tell me your daughter was being a slut i would have understood everything you were doing at dinner for that and then he's like the only parenting book you need is in the top drawer of every motel in the country and i was like literally screaming watching this like no 
no, I do not abide by this turn that you're trying to take. Absolutely not. But then Andy Barclay's mom's like, shut up, dad, we're leaving. Yes, it's the it's the only time that woman gets to speak in the whole movie. And uh, so they... Dr- this is also know, j- the worst dramatic airport run in the history of cinema. Yeah, because it's not dramatic. But it's also for a shitty reason. It's like, I need to apologize to her because she thinks I think she's a slut. Because I've been a shit heel this whole movie instead of like because I've been telling her this whole time that I think she's a slut. Right, exactly. It's like it's supposed to be this big gesture, and it's like this isn't a big gesture. You fucked up a lot and are barely reconciling right now. Yeah, and it's a weird. It's that weird plane boarding thing that like you. I only ever see like presidents do. Oh, I've done it a bunch of times. I've only done it once. It's a smaller airport thing. Yeah, Um, but they apologize. Everything is good. You board on the tarmac is what we were talking about there. Yeah, and then uh, Richard is there, and they don't really show you what he looks like, but apparently he looks cool now. Yeah, he, like, got a makeover in the same way she did and, like, looks like a cool kid. Uh, and then the youngest daughter has a date, well, first, and she's wearing well, the coolest dinosaur suspenders. She is very – I was very jelly of the dinosaur suspenders. But before that, uh, Wallace Shawn and uh, the Humpty Danza's – uh, like producer guy friend is like, Oh, we've got the best show ever. You two will just scream at each other. And I was like, Oh man, it's like all shows on television. Now it's just people yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. It's like that. See that uh, bit from the birdcage. Yeah, no, exactly that. But yeah. So then it's like ding dong boy at the door. Oh, my daughter's in Europe. Oh, I'm actually here for your other da- daughter. And then she comes down the stairs in slow-mo. And my reaction is. <laughs> Because this movie is a big wet fart. Yeah, this movie's bad. I just do not understand this whole thing. I never will understand this whole thing. And it just makes me upset every time I watch something like this. Uh, Any other final thoughts? I mean, like, it's fun to make fun of. Very much so. But it's not a good movie. Yeah, it's, it's really not. It's super misogynistic. It doesn't have a lot of jokes in it. And, like, unless you find the idea of... Uh, all she wants to do is Danza, like opening his eyes real wide and thinking his daughter is a slut all the time. There's not much here for you. Yeah. Uh, but we were struggling with what to do in this slot and this theme. So, uh, this is probably one of the better choices we could have made. Um, we are going to do the hall of fame stuff in just one second, but first real quick, um, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get it. Uh, if you do somewhere other than iTunes, just take a screenshot and send it to us. We read those on the air and it has been a little while. Visit patreon.com slash dissecting the eighties. Uh, take a look at those pledge tiers and see where you fit in. Uh, we are very close to the bonus commentary track that all Patreon supporters will get. So if we get there, um, yeah, uh, if we get there, we'll get, we're going to let the Patreon folks pick, uh, the movie. And I think we're going to do it like a power hour, although I'm not hundred percent sure on that last part, but I think that's the plan. TBD. Um, and, uh, find us on Twitter at dissect the eighties and dissect the eighties on Facebook. Uh, we always love hearing from listeners just like that really cool person who emailed us to talk about Mr. Mom. I enjoyed that conversation very much. Um, so before we let you go and we tell you what the next movie is, uh, we need to do the very important election to the hall of fame. So I'm going to let you go first, um, elect something from the past year to be in the show's hall of fame. I have a pretty good idea of what you're going to say. <laughs> Uh, so I have, I own three vinyl records. One of them is a drag queen folk country album. Uh-huh. 
One is the original motion picture soundtrack to 19, the 1970s Carrie. And the third one is the original motion picture soundtrack to The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And I picked Dolly for the Hall of Fame this year. And hopefully you'll actually write this bio and send it to me so she can go on the website, uh, unlike in past years where you've neglected to do that. Uh, but that's a good pick. I assume that's where yours was going to go. Uh, it was either her or I couldn't remember if One Magic Christmas was this Christmas or last Christmas. It, it might have been two Christmases ago. Because I was like, oh, what about Mary Steenburgen? Yeah. Um, this is a tough one because I think we're officially out of Michael Myers movies now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we might be because we've done two, four, and five, and he's not in three. So I think we're... I almost picked horror, just like horror, 80s horror in general <laughs> I, to go in the I, Hall I of Fame. Because we that's a little broad, but okay. But we had such a great year this year of 80s horror. We did. We did. We had a, a lot of really good horror movies this year. Um, yeah. I mean, both Halloween movies. We did uh, Predator, which is kind of a horror movie. Um, we did a Nightmare. We did a Friday. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw. Uh, Pet Cemetery. We did a lot of good horror this year. Um, I don't know that we did a Nightmare or a Friday in this season, but that's okay. Um, anyway, I struggled here a lot because we did a lot of really interesting stuff this year. But I struggled with like, what deserves to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Um, and the thing that I remember having the most fun with discussing this year uh, is within the movie Critters, which was an episode I really enjoyed, a movie I and uh, we'll have to go back. What do we keep calling it? Ghoulies. Ghoulies. Yeah, we'll have to go back and do those movies at, at, uh, later. But what I am electing to the Hall of Fame this year is the tiny tuft of hair on the front of a character actor, M. Emmett Walsh's head. Um, <laughs> it is basically its own character in that movie. Uh, I think his performance is great. I genuinely really like M.M. Walsh. I think you're generally in for a good time when you see that guy. Uh, but I particularly love the the extra character that lived atop his head in that movie. The, the way they styled his little tuft of front hair for the mostly bald gentleman is really mwah, chef's kiss. So that's that's what I pick. The tuft of hair on the front of M.M. Walsh's hair. That's a great pick. Uh, My runner-up was The Village People. I figured as much. My my runner up was going to be Laurie Strode, who's now never going to make it in. Oh, well, she could. She can't. It, it has to be something we've covered Correct. this year. Yeah, that's how the rules work. The arbitrary rules that we've the, created. Hey, there are rules, and we follow them. And the rule is, it's from your favorite ep- favorite thing of the past season. So, sorry, Laurie. You know we love you. We did a whole. Well, bunch then I feel like maybe I should do the Village People instead of Dolly because there's other Dolly opportunities. There aren't though. She didn't do any other stuff in the 80s? No, we talked about this when we did that show. There's like a TV special. Mm. Anyway, you said it already. It's already ensconced. It's been out in the air. People have heard it, so it's it's there. Um, so yeah, that's our Hall of Famers. Keep an eye out for them on the website of the show, dissectingthe80s.com. Thank you all so very much for listening. Um, don't forget to check out the Patreon for that awesome Halloween Horror Night stuff coming your way probably around September 20th, give or take. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that date, but that's probably pretty close. Uh, We will be back in two weeks. We will be back in two weeks to celebrate the release of Rambo 5, The Final Bloodening, with Rambo colon First Blood 2. God, this movie sounds so stupid. Well, the first movie is called First Blood, and then everyone just started calling it Rambo. And so when they were making the second one, they were like, well, we should just call it Rambo. And they're like, yeah, but it's First Blood 2. So it became Rambo colon First Blood 
two. Oh, I didn't realize that. And then I believe the fr- the third movie is called Rambo three. And then, so nothing makes sense, and it's just if you watch it on mute, it's gay porn. Yes, so that's that's what it is. It's Rambo. It's First Blood, Rambo colon First Blood two, then uh, Rambo three, and then the fourth movie is just called Rambo, and then the la- the movie coming out now is called Rambo colon The Last Blood. I think The Last Blood. I I I can wait for that. <laughs> Rambo colon Last Blood. Yes. The weirdest movie title naming convention in history. Uh, Remind me not to repeat all of this next time, although I probably will. Anyway, I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until September 23rd. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.